Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to the Open Banking Expo Unplugged podcast. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Content at Open Banking Expo and your host as always. And this week, I'm joined by Duncan Barrigan, who is the Chief Product and Growth Officer at GoCardless. He's here to discuss all things payments, really, ahead of the Competition and Markets Authority's looming deadline for the CMA 9, which are the UK's nine largest lenders, to implement variable recurring payments for sweeping services. So that deadline is, is July. It was moved back from January at the start of the year. Now, I think it's fair to say that that some in the industry are going sort of one step further than the CMA's requirements, including GoCardless, which has already confirmed it's working on a non-sweeping VRP pilot and which already has its first VRP customer. So there's plenty to talk about with Duncan today. And we're also going to hear more from him about GoCardless's work with NatWest on VRPs. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Ellie. Great to be here. Not at all. And uh, we'll start with um, with a fairly straightforward question. But can you explain, you know, what it is that GoCardless does and, and your role there? Absolutely. So at GoCardless, our mission is to be the world's bank payment network. Uh, we believe that uh, payments made directly between accounts are faster, cheaper, more reliable and more secure than the alternatives. So Uh, As I said, our mission is very much to bring that to the world and become the world's um, bank payment network. Um, I joined back in uh, 2015, so it's been a wild uh, seven-year ride for me, and I look after the uh, product and marketing teams. Well, it sounds like, yes, there's been plenty to keep you busy over that seven years anyway. And, you know, as I mentioned in my introduction there, we're hearing a lot about variable recurring payments, or VRPs, as they're known, ahead of that July deadline. So uh, GoCardless have have been credited by the OBIE for taking the first VRP. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I think it was actually, uh, I was talking to Richard about this at the time from OBIE. I think it's the first in the world. Uh, It was back in 2019. So uh, in the the earlier days of of open banking, and uh, obviously things had opened up for data, they'd opened up for immediate payments using the APIs. And what we all ran together alongside OBIE and um, and Starling Bank as well was a regulatory sandbox that the FCA had allowed us to do, um, really to, to test how all of this would work. And as I said, I think for the first time in the world, operate um, this type of ongoing recurring transaction through, through banking APIs and, and open banking. So yeah, it ran for about uh, three months, I think, uh, obviously with uh, such a short time frame. Uh, there were only so many use cases that were that were appropriate, but we actually decided to uh, collect them from our own customers. So we decided to be be the customer ourselves for the money that some of our our merchants owed GoCardless, um, and those that were using Starling Bank, we collected the the fees that were due from them. Okay, so um, interesting period, I, I guess, and, and I'm I'm assuming you learned a lot during those three months. Yeah, yeah. We we what we wanted to do together, uh, all all the parties involved, was to understand obviously the technical side. On the one hand, could, could this actually work? And it did. You know, the money flowed. We collected the money that we were genuinely owed. It was this wasn't tests. This was you know us putting our our I suppose our fees where our our mouth was. 
And um, so we wanted to test the technical side, make sure that worked. We also wanted to get an understanding of some of the um, user responses to it, obviously from the people who were actually um, making their, those, those payments to us. Uh, and um, to sort of get a sense of how those, those two would fit together in the wild and how customers would react to it. Okay, so it sounds like a, a very thorough, rigorous testing phase. And then I guess fast forward a little bit, as I, as I mentioned, GoCardless has been working quite closely with, with NatWest in the UK on VRPs. So you'd obviously you'd been through that testing phase uh, and now you're working with Nat, NatWest. So can you tell me how that came about and the kind of working relationship you have with, with the bank? Yeah, things things did go dormant for a while between uh, between twenty nineteen and, and sort of twenty twenty two, I suppose. Obviously, the the sandbox closed, and uh, you know the there the, the was nothing else that could could be done on this. But we we work quite closely closely with NatWest. They uh, are one of our banking partners, so uh, you know we have a long standing relationship for I think more than ten years now, actually with um, with now NatWest. Obviously, back then back then RBS. Um, so this is something that very naturally, you know, comes up in our conversations about um, other ways of using those banking APIs about uh, about variable recurring payments. And NatWest are, are very much those that we found to be most interested in the broader commercial opportunity of open banking um, in terms of what can, you know, what can they create as these additional commercial uh, APIs. Uh, for banks to use so you know we, we're always and if any other banks are listening and, and feel that i have you know maligned their own version then we would love to talk to you and please do please do come talk to us about all of this uh, but NatWest have very much been the ones that we've been spending time with there um so it came naturally out of that um and it's pilot you know we're, it, this is going beyond the sweeping side of things so this is uh, what we're actually doing is working with uh, a really fantastic hunger charity in the UK called uh, Charity Right, who provided 10 million meals last year to communities around the world. Um, so we've been uh, working with NatWest. Obviously, uh, it's the donors for Charity Right who use NatWest for their for their banking that are able to make these um, donations. So we've been working with on that. Uh, it's going to be about uh, probably about a year, the pilot. And obviously, again, you know, keen to test the technical phase of feasibility of it to assess demand. Uh, and, and obviously, it's, it's important for them to, and us to be able to make the, you know, the, the, the business case for doing this more broadly. So, uh, yeah, fantastic to see that started. And the, the first, again, the first live payments collected for a, for a, for a non-sweeping use case, as I said, with, with charity, right? Yeah, I want to kind of pick that apart a little bit more if possible, because it's obviously a really, really significant pilot. I'm interested to know why you wanted, I suppose, to test a non-sweeping use case. What, what, why did you kind of prioritise that, given that the CMA's deadline is for kind of sweeping um, use cases? Yeah, so we're doing, we're doing both, by the way, and we can, come, we can come back to sweeping in a second if you like. But um, the reason we're really interested in the non-sweeping is because uh, we ultimately believe, as I said, that uh, the bank payments are the are the best way um, to best way for payments to work. And one of the sort of key aspects of that is that when you start thinking about it, we, we came from a recurring payments background and we're expanding. But when you start thinking about it, most payments are actually recurring. I, I once actually, to, to, to sort of test my own theories, I, I look back, I think I looked at my credit card statement and looked at the last 25 transactions or something. And I think about 20 of them were 
um, people I had paid, merchants that I paid more than one. So, you know, I, I, I invite the audience to take a look and see. You realize that actually most of your payments are recurring payments. You just don't think of them like that. If you go to Sainsbury's, you don't think, oh, I'm making a recurring payment like my Spotify. But you're paying Sainsbury's all the time. You know, I'm, pay- I'm personally paying Amazon uh, far too often. Um, so, so when you start thinking about that, you realize, okay, well, these are recurring payments too. So the thing that we find really exciting about about VLP and VLP commercials as opposed to these sweeping use cases is the potential it has to really drive um, the next generation of bank payments where they're actually replacing these intermediaries, the high fees of the card networks that are being used in these card-on-file situations. Um, and as I said, that ultimately, they actually are recurring payments and VLP is a, you know, it's a fantastic potential uh, solution for those. So that's why we're really excited about it. You know, the, the, the sweeping is obviously quite contained and we can talk more about that. But it's the commercial side that I think has so much potential to, to, to really help make payments for so many of our, uh, of our day-to-day expenses um, as, as consumers and businesses, you know, really substantially uh, cheaper. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you're right in saying that that most people wouldn't consider, you know, a regular, you know, weekly shop to, you know, a supermarket a kind of recurring payment. But but of course it is. And and I think maybe, you know, during the pandemic when we were all kind of confined to our homes and could only really shop online, that might have opened consumers' eyes a little bit more, I think, to the retailers, the merchants they were going to again and again and and the, the, the details they were having to, to tap in every time. I know that you've previously referred to VRPs as, as something of a, of a game changer, not just for consumers, but obviously for businesses as well. You know, we've all heard in the news that we're entering this period of, of sort of economic uncertainty, you know, dubbed the cost of living crisis um, with lots of bills rising and and, you know, costs rocketing basically so i know that at go cardless you recently conducted some research that kind of demonstrated why the current cost of living crisis emphasizes the value of sweeping use cases and and i know we were going to come on to talk about sweeping so can you tell us a bit more about that research and what it what it demonstrated yeah we did research with uh, yougov on on the cost of living crisis and we we found that about half of consumers said they'd use new technology that automatically moves their money from one account to another. Um, so with a higher interest rate to pay their debts, you had, a, you, again, you had, I think it was 53% and 50%. They were, they were roughly the same, which is really interesting because I, I, I think often this feels really academic to people uh, and not many people actually do sweeping. You know, um, I was in a room with Charlotte Crosswell from uh open banking recently and she asked a room of whatever 15 of us how many of us actually have sweeping and i think her and me were the only two in the room that actually did any sweeping ourselves currently uh because it sort of doesn't people don't really it's not necessarily a concept that people really get but but when you talk about it in those terms of well are you interested in a technology that can help you get a higher interest rate by automatically moving your money suddenly you know people's eyes light up and that's that's what i think we really found with um with the research even then, in, in terms of the, the, the current situation and obviously the challenges that lots of people are having, I think is actually sort of pushing people more into it. So we also found that uh, four in 10 people in the UK are planning to experiment with new ways to, to save or make money over the next 12 months. So hopefully, hopefully um, you know, this is something that comes at the right time. I can do something to, to help people. Uh, I always understand that you know, the consumer in the streets never really going to care about VLP as an acronym or a concept. 
but it really is something that can help and I'm, I'm i'm hopeful that that awareness will build and people can um can access those better savings products and those better you know sort of debt management products that um they wouldn't be able to in the same way without without sweeping so do you think then it's it's kind of on the industry to um educate consumers about um some of this technology perhaps as you say kind of removing those those terms and the the jargon that doesn't mean anything but actually giving them the use cases that do mean something and are a bit more tangible yeah i think it's always incumbent on fintech and financial services to to make sure that they're taking these technologies that emerge out of payments because you know payments sort of does need these step changes in technology like you're seeing today super exciting time for bank payments with both real-time payments you know we're, we're kind of used to them in the uk but real-time payments spreading around the world banking apis as we're talking about here and, and vrp but they're, they're sort of industry changes that come but i think there is a massive obligation both for their own success and for the good of consumers and, and businesses for for the fintech and financial services world to actually turn them into things that solve customer problems you know i i always think it's it's a struggle internally at a fintech sometimes to make sure people aren't thinking of the solution and thinking, oh, you know, VRP. Like it, it's not actually about VRP. It's about what it can do for customers. And we always try and make sure that we're coming, you know, we're coming back to those. So our first sweeping customer actually um, is Nude, um, Nude Finance, who are a savings app for first-time buyers. Obviously, another section that's um, even, you know, even more under under pressure in the in the current climate. And uh, you know, that's a really tangible use case right this is um really helping them to be on a faster track to their first home because it's actually allowing them to move money in the right way and still have the right balance in their account and therefore to you know to optimize how much they're saving without without coming to 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 risk or having to just sort of guess how much it is a month and uh you know leave that much in the account so um i think it it, it's always important for us to be thinking about that as we develop products but also really important for us to be finding the right ways to work with customers like new to to be able to turn it into something that makes a difference you know it's not it's not vrp it's it's saving for your first home yeah no that's that's a that's a really good example and and interesting to hear about obviously that kind of sweeping partnership you've you've got there as well and we've obviously referred to the fact that here in the uk there is this kind of looming deadline i suppose but i think it's it's fair to say isn't it that that it's not suddenly going to be the case that VRP payments are suddenly, you know, here one day and weren't the day before, you know, it's obviously going to be this kind of phased rollout. Can you explain a bit about what, what does that actually look like though? And, and then how, how businesses can future proof themselves as we go through this kind of period where um, VRPs are being introduced, perhaps there will be some, some pain points and challenges that emerge. Yeah, I always think of payment trends as like steam trains because they're sort of chugging away in the station for a while and smoke going everywhere and lots of noise, but nothing really happens. And then, you know, the wheels start turning and eventually it's this unstoppable, uh, unstoppable monster that's, uh, that's having a real impact on the world. So we're definitely in the chugging and, ste- you know, uh, not very environmentally friendly these days, of course, but, you know, coal billowing out of the, the funnel in the, uh, in the station phase. <laughs> um, so... Yeah. I think what, what you'll see, that I, I think of that in kind of two phases. The actual managed rollout itself, you know, I mean, it's, it, it is on the way. You know, our teams are, uh, are working with OBIE on the managed rollout, et cetera. Um, you will, I think, see not all banks suddenly magically come online at the same time. Uh, I'm pretty sure 
given we're working with them on a on a non-sweeping version at the moment that you know NatWest is is certainly going to be fine but uh you know we'll see when the rest of the um the rest of the banks um come online so i think uh it's i personally think it's very likely that it will extend beyond july the 31st um that that initial uh phase and of course there's also the question of um the CMA nine versus the rest of the banks. So I think when you take that in aggregate, what you're going to see is that uh, that it does take time for this to work, and, and you know could take a long time. So I, I think that's where on your on your question, sort of what should what should people do to get ready? The way we look at all of these is that um, when you're in the, uh, I'll come back to my steam train. When the steam train is not yet, you know, powering down the down the tracks at full speed. Um, it's really important to make the right use and the right use of different combinations. So uh, one of the things we'll be doing, for instance, is to make sure that you can have a seamless checkout experience off the shelf where if someone is part of the VLP sweeping trial and they click NatWest, for instance, they can go through and they can use VLP sweeping, but that you're not left, okay, I can't offer this because I, you know, I, I don't only have NatWest customers. Of course, my customers use all sorts of banks will have that seamless fallback into into direct debit so that if they you know if they press a bank that's not live that can happen so i think that the, the customer experience is so central to these and for a, for a business or any organization obviously charity organizations as, as we talked about on the on the non-sweeping side i think it's really important and, and, and businesses of all kinds i think it's really important to make sure that you're focused on that payer experience and that you're not thinking of these as on or off because we, you know, we often find we'll say, "Oh, whatever, that's ninety-five percent coverage or ninety percent coverage of whatever it is." Banks or of people in the UK who use online banking, and our, our merchants will say to us, "We think of that more as ten percent of them don't." It's a problem for me that ten percent of adults in the UK don't have online banking. You know, that is actually a problem for me as a me as an organisation. So, I think that you know, always thinking of the ten percent or the one percent or whatever the ratio is. And making sure that for those user experiences, you're figuring out how it's going to work holistically rather than sort of leading people down um, dead alleyways where they're trying to, they are actually trying to use your product and it, and it doesn't work. So, yeah, I think, I think recognizing the nature of that trend is what's actually most important for, for, for merchants and organizations who want to use it. And, yeah, get on board early. There's some fantastic benefits, but make sure you're aware of where the, where the train is and how you, uh, how you can give the right customer experience throughout the journey. I'm impressed that you stuck with the the steam train there and uh, <laughs> it worked. I think the, the metaphor worked. Um, look, we've talked obviously about, you know, this exciting new technology um, and this exciting new period for, for payments, but kind of focused on, on VRPs. And, and I was wondering what this actually means for the future of payments like card on file. I mean, you know, is it a case of this new payment comes in, we, we don't need any other forms of payment, that's it now, they're kind of extinct. What, what, what does that kind of look like in the future? I think that whenever you're looking at the right way to collect uh, payments in a given situation, you have to think systematically through what are you optimising for? And we always find there's, there's different use cases where, uh, you know, if you're if you've got an invoice and someone already owes you the money and you're trying to collect it from them and it's a high value invoice, you might be optimizing for getting paid on time. You might also care uh, about um, the 
admin time that it takes you to manage these and not having to chase them and not having to, to go through it. If you're um, selling shoes online, you're going to care a lot more about the conversion and you're going to care a lot more about the, the, the user experience than you know when you're sending a £4,000 invoice to someone as an accountant. So you can see from those two examples the, you know, the differences in the situations. And we, ourselves, we use a set of payment dimensions to think through them and help merchants think through them. I think in terms of how VRP expands, what bank payments more broadly does to, to take share from, from cards and, and other types of payments over the next decades, I think it will be decades to come, by the way. I think it's the next, the next cash to cards is, is cards to, um, to bank payments. So I think you'll see it vary with those situations. I think the earliest ones are going to probably be situations where um, there is uh either the sweep the sweeping side obviously which um has some quite distinct characteristics to it in terms of you know moving money between savings accounts repaying debts etc but i think when you go into sort of straight commerce i think the um higher value transactions is one area where i think you'll see this because the card fees become so high when you're talking about higher amounts when you're talking about um much smaller amounts it's a bit varied um so i think you'll see it in high value i think you'll see it in situations that are a little bit less conversion sensitive you know there's a difference between selling a fridge online and getting someone to buy gems in a in a you know a free to play game with you know with with um, payment micro payments. Um, so I think you'll see it really vary. Um, but I think as it builds momentum, those user experiences will improve, and then the conversion will improve. And really, once the conversion improves on this um, and gets to the point where it's genuinely better than um, than card payments, I think at that point it can really. It's just a question of customer adoption and people experiencing it and seeing the value of it and, uh, and going through. So, yeah, I think it will be kind of a sweep through the, the sweeping uh, into commercial use cases that are that sort of have the biggest problems with um, with cards. And then um, and then we'll be excited to see it expand into other areas, too. Yeah, so so quite a gradual process, but but then I guess what impact do you think all of that will will have on on open banking and adoption rates there in in the UK? Yeah, I think we are now. I think we're now starting to reach a tipping point. Uh, what you often find with these is that once people have experienced something, that, that you know, getting someone to experience for the very first time making a payment this way is very different from doing it the fifth or the sixth or the tenth time. So I think you've always got that sort of tough part of the adoption curve where someone's a bit unsure about pressing that button and going through it. So I think we are now reaching the point where where more and more people have done this and that is going to start propelling it forwards. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that adoption will now start building faster and faster. I think you do still see, though, people thinking about these use cases differently. And therefore, you know, the first time someone uses it for X versus using it for Y is, you know, isn't always the same. Um, I think VRP really will accelerate the the volumes very much so because people are using it again and again and again. Um, it'll accelerate the users too. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see people sort of wanting to make their first transaction before they necessarily, uh, you know, leap into the world of VRPs. So I think it, 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 you know, it may well sort of lag in, in number of users using it, but charge ahead in terms of the, the volume and the volume of the, of the transactions. Right. 
Well, um, Duncan, thank you so much for talking to me today. I think you've certainly built up a bit, a bit of an exci- a level of excitement. I think in in the industry around VRPs, uh, with with all the work that's going on with with Go Cardless and at NatWest, the partnership there, and um, it's really great to hear about what the kind of payments future, I suppose, is is going to look like. So yeah, it's definitely an exciting time for for the industry but as you say hopefully not just for the industry but but for those who are actually going to be benefiting from those kind of more seamless payments journeys but thank you again for joining me on the podcast great to hear from you thanks for having me my thanks once again to duncan from go cardless great to have him on the podcast If there's any episodes that you need to catch up on, then go to the on-demand section of openbankingexpo.com. You'll find all the latest episodes of the Unplugged podcast. We've had some brilliant guests and more to come, of course. Until next time, goodbye.